Would you care to step outside? We did it today. Superman. Sorry, I'm being raised. You are here. The lasso of Hastings. Warning, PC and RMD contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Awesome. Oh, sorry. That's your signal. That means we have to go now. Trains are back, bitches! It's that time of week again, everybody. Welcome to another episode of DC on RMD Titans Edition here on Rain Man Digital. We are live tonight on Twitch. And as always, you can check out our past episodes of DC on RMD or any other Rain Man Digital episodes on demand via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or Spotify. Just search DC on RMD, like us, subscribe, do all that fun stuff. Tonight, I'm your host, Steven, and we have Paul hey. and David. What up? And no Lauren again. She's She's on vacation, but that's fine. I Maybe wanted, she got sent to Themis, them, ah, I can't even say it. Them mascara. <laughs> She's just hanging out with Raven it. this season. I, I thought you were trying to say she she caught something. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> what? All right. So tonight we're going to be talking about season three, episode seven. Fifty one percent is the title, directed by Nick Gomez, written by Kate McCarthy, and just right out of the gate. I mean, this was. A packed episode. There is a lot of shit going on. Really and, surprising. Like a is, lot. <laughs> yeah. I I can't imagine that I'm actually correct in what I'm about to say uh, because there have been three seasons. But is this the first episode that wasn't just named after a, like a character? Well, certainly this season or a character or a <clears throat> thing that is associated to well, and, something from lore. Right. Okay. Yeah. At least from what we know right now. And like we we you know we've learned pretty quickly what the fifty one percent stands for, so it's it's, it's too relevant. Bad they didn't do fifty two. Michael Walker. But there's so much. There's so much in this episode. But some of the main themes uh, is centered around family. How different families are dealing with their interpersonal relationships. Um, even even still dealing from the Bat family side of the fence. People dealing with. Uh, yeah. How to live up to the expectations of their their elders or their parental units or, you know, Dick in the case of, of Batman. Um, well, even with even with Barbara, I mean, yeah. Now, from what I I don't know about you two, but at this point, can we actually say Barbara's story is about her living up to the legacy of her dad? I think that's a huge part of Barbara's story, certainly, at least in the context of this series and, and what they're telling, I think that's absolutely because what's going on. It was really interesting to me that she was more or less worried about getting arrested and re- because she's tied to the GCPD. So she's more worried about getting arrested by using the machine than trying to actually do the Batman thing and find the criminal and beat up, beat up Scarecrow. So, and it seems like th- for me, during that scene, she was really t- thinking about, like, what would my dad do? Oh, yeah. Instead of, like, you know, what would Bruce do? It's what would my dad do? I, I think that the, like, the condition of the Titan is to constantly be comparing yourself to, like, the 
the greater equivalent, Correct, be, you know, yeah. because they're essentially all, you know, sidekicks or juniors. Um, right. And so I think that is, you know, Dick with Batman, um, any other Robin with Dick or also Batman, um, you know, Barbara with her dad, um, you know, super, Wonder super Girl boy with yeah. Wonder Woman. Yeah. It, it super boy goes, with Lex and or even Superman, with, uh, even with Starfire and Blackfire in this one. It's about their parents yeah. living up to their parents. Yeah. Expectations. So so I think that, yeah, absolutely that. Um, but to touch on her like fear of mm-hmm. using Oracle, um, I think like, oh, I, you know, I don't want to get arrested. I can't be associated with this. I'm the chief of police commissioner, whatever. Like, I, th- I think that was the, like the scapegoat of the situation for her. I think she was just fucking terrified of the power that this thing has oh, certainly. and how, you know, as I'm sure we'll get into how easy it was to flip the motivation to have her just shut it all down and make it like inaccessible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, because it's as 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 an entity, as a tool, that thing is fucking terrifying. It, it is, it, it isn't is. it? It's it's like you said a couple episodes back, Paul. Uh, it, it's the equivalent, but worse than what Bruce came up with in the Dark Knight film, which was just mass surveillance. It's, it's, and this it's is like that on that steroids, thing mixed with Jarvis. Correct. Yes. And, and I put that in the notes. So let's get into it. So. You know, the episode kind of opening with with Jason coming off of the previous episode with, with Jason having stolen all these these drugs and put them out on the street and causing fear through chaos. Again, it's that those underlying themes that we keep going back to of fear and and again, all these homages really to the Dark Knight trilogy of the fear and the chaos uh, of Scarecrow and Joker. And we're seeing that play out, right? I I, I feel like it is. It's a good it's the essence of the pairing of Scarecrow and Red Hood because obviously yeah. Scarecrow is all fear. And I think that Jason Red Hood is essentially like chaos because he's total chaos. I mean, he's selling drugs, but he's also like deep down kind of got a good heart. Like he has good motivations for at least certain things. Yeah. yeah like yeah, he, yeah. he is, he is the antihero. He is chaos. But, but there's an internal struggle. And every time we've seen that so many times when, when, He's not quite sure that what he's doing is appropriate or the right thing. We saw it in the last episode, right? Like when the the gang or whoever it was went into Tim Drake Drake's mm-hmm. family restaurant, yeah. you could tell that he was he was he was torn by he, it. he was torn by it. Um, but that didn't stop him. So he puts all this shit out on the street and then goes back to kind of almost taunt crane and well, yeah say, i was hey. like i just like like right off the bat i had like jason is still really buddy buddy with crane like this is sort just, of but it's, i mean just that the, the being in the same room with him after what you just did feels like a bad idea and that was my follow-up note bad idea yeah it's yeah, a totally bad, bad idea. idea and he's in there kind of flaunting like look what i did i went out on the streets and i, I you know are you pissed and the crane's like no nah, it's cool i'm not batman and he was right. He, as he said, he's not Batman. He's not Batman. He's he's calculating like Batman, but he's not going to scold you or try to he's not ground gonna, you. He's yeah. going to fuck you up in the worst possible way without you realizing you're being fucked up. And that that was the coolest moment in that because then all of a sudden, up to this point, we've been thinking that there is no redemption for Jason at this point because of what he's done. Mm-hmm. This moment, you fully do see Jason as that broken kid. He's just a kid that basically, he, he you is. know, he did what he did in the last one because he lashed out. Mm-hmm. He, he he was he was 
He had something that he, he had taken away from him. And what does he do? Jason has proven to always do lash out, you know, without thinking and then come back and think he's, the, he's the hot shit. Yeah. But now we finally, he finally is confronted with a big time consequence because like if you were to do that to Bruce, Bruce would scold him and everything ground else, him, like, take ground away him, his toys, take away his toys. Scarecrow is like, no, I'm not Batman. And, uh, I'm just going to incapacitate. I'm just you. going to do something really bad to you. And that's how you actually get through to Jason because now Jason knows he's in deep trouble now. Yeah. And I don't feel like we've ever got a true sense. They certainly, I don't recall them ever saying outright how old Jason is, is meant to be in this. I get a feeling that he's kind of like that 16, 17, 18 ish. I, w- I would say like 15 to 17. Um, so it's still very much an impressionable mind. You're in your formative years And here's this guy that certainly has all the upper hand in this equation. And you're a a foolish, reckless, uh, (laughs) torn, uh, emotionally torn individual. And here's somebody that's way older and smarter and wiser. The king of manipulators. The king of it. And Jason's falling right into it. So he doses him with whatever fucking special (laughs) concoction. And the rest of the episode, Jason's pretty much just a a turd on a, on a couch, right? Like he can't do anything. Dude, Scarecrow in this one is terrifying, terrifying, but that scene with him talking with the uh, heads of the family, where he just intimidates him, but he doesn't, he doesn't intimidate him by like talking down to them. He's just very nonchalant about it. Mm-hmm. We'll just drop in those seeds because we don't know what they know in relation to the scarecrow. Yeah. You know, it's unfolding before our eyes, well, but yeah. he's clearly <laughs> dealt with them in the past and dosed them with whatever. Yeah, I mean, he, he references a plan he had two years ago where he was, you know, presumably like halfway through taking over the city when Batman stopped him. Right. So I think everybody has this memory this experience yep. of what what his toxin does a shared experience a shared experience and and they were not uh they were clearly um on edge yeah especially the one woman because she must have got dosed by it so for him to come in that entire scene the way it was blocked out and framed and just kind of how it, it progressed was again very much an homage to joker coming in in dark night and with the all those scene yeah with the yeah. pencil scene and it, it very much had that same feel and vibe and, and it just was different because it, it was tailor made for that character correct because the joker scene it's chaos it, it's it about is, chaos yeah. it's about like unpredictability here scarecrow basically just spells it out from oh this is going to happen because i've already calculated everything mm-hmm. and it's very predetermined and you and, guys have past experience and of you have past experiences be. and it just delves into that uncomfort uh like that very uncomfortable feeling yeah that you have no control here i'm the one who has control well it's like and- when bane walks in in dark knight rises right bane comes in and everybody just kind of is like well Bane's here. Bane's so, here. Like, I just, you know, we know what to expect. He will just break my back and throw me down a, a, a sewage drain kind of thing. But yeah, they, they just the way they they're playing Scarecrow is absolutely brilliant. Continues yeah. to fire on all cylinders. And, and I'm sorry, I like his idea. The, his idea is to not use the fear toxin to strike fear. He's going to do the opposite. He's going to absolutely drug everybody into happiness so that they're more manipulative. I I think that, I mean, 
yeah, that's that's uh, an interesting like way of how like whether they're going to remain a team or not. That is kind of a way that Jason has like impacted or um, like motivated, inspired Scarecrow's current plan where, yeah, typically it is, you know, he creates the fear and the fear creates chaos and then he just kind of reigns in the chaos um and this is like he's doing it backwards Backwards. he is he's going to i guess initially it was creating chaos to spread fear Fear. and then get a hold in that but yeah even now with with the actual refined version of the drug rather than the version that jason took um it seems that like yeah they're just gonna like dope everybody up and like wrap them around their finger And, and what's interesting is that batch that jason took was that just a test batch or did he strategically plan and <laughs> was, know was that, that the Jason batch? Yeah, th- That's the Jason batch. And I know this knucklehead's going to come in and I'm just going to, I'm just going to mix up something special so that he's pretty much a couch potato for the rest of the next couple of days. And it worked because it worked. He just is playing Jason like a fiddle. Um, and of course the, the, the bigger underlying theme in all of this, and he comes right out and says it is he's trying to dismantle and tear the team apart from the inside out. Like yes. w- there's no sense in taking the team on head on, figure out a way to get them to tear themselves apart and not be able to operate as a team. Yeah. And, and that's really working to his advantage based on whatever knowledge that we didn't see on screen that Jason shared with crane about the family, about each individual member of the team and, and how they operate. And we're seeing it throughout. We've seen it throughout every episode as Dick's trying to find his wings, so to speak, and become the leader of the team. He's still not taking to heart the lessons that he obviously should have learned over the years from where Bruce has failed. He's not being the better Batman and he's making the same damn choices of going off on solo missions by himself which in turn sets an example for the other team members who also keep doing the same yeah. thing. It's yeah. divide and conquer. Yeah, yeah, we and you know, I'm I'm sure we will hit on that, but uh, you know, Gar doing a bunch of like solo stuff and, and I'm, work. I'm, I'm loving him and uh i i'll bring him up if your notes don't again later uh, no they do but, yeah go for it um, go for it i mean it, well, like, no cuz that's not the point i'm making right now. It's the um it, just Scarecrow's a very smart dude, yes. but like he's a he's a dude, right? It's hard enough for him to like overcome, overpower, take out like just Nightwing. But when Nightwing's got a team of like this animal boy, fucking Superboy, an alien, like two aliens, yeah, yeah. Now does he even know about the second one? Who knows? Um, but the 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 methods used for to. For him to be this threat, because it's not, you know, it's not just some fucking, it's not Trigon, right? No. Who's just no, like, no. I'll just this fucking wipe everybody out because because he has that power because he's mm-hmm. fucking Trigon. To see just like a dude be this entity that has the potential to like rip this team apart or put the team down or whatever. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's cool. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's fun to smart. watch. It's, it's smart. And, and the... The potential, right, to have the team torn apart absolutely exists. We saw oh, we yeah. saw it happen with, uh, you know, Deathstroke, you mm-hmm. know, did it with the original team, right? And um, kind of tried to do some of that last season. And 
And what's great about that, what's great about that, going back to the Deathstroke thing, again, Jason was involved in that. Mm -hmm. So he saw what worked and didn't work, and and a a lot of it was what didn't work. And he could take that and share that, and and, and now Crane can use that to his advantage, and he is. And what's interesting about Gar running off and doing his little solo adventure is – all the, we, we continually see all the team members kind of doing detective work, which is really cool to see. Mm-hmm. And they're all kind of learning the ropes and using the tools that they have at their disposal to try to solve where's Jason, where's Crane, what are they doing, what is their plan. And, and they're they all, all do it in their own way. They're, they're doing too. it in their own way and at their own pace. And what's interesting about Gar is is he's he's always been kind of the heart of the team. You know, Donna was the mother, the caring, giving, motherly type. But Gar is really like the heart of the team where he wants to see the good in everybody. And he still genuinely believes that there's good in Jason. Jason. And if he could just if he can just get that Jason back, he's he what he's doing is noble. And and by the end of the episode, seeing Gar go back to the the chick that Jason clearly mm-hmm. was trying to have a thing with or had a thing with at some point, he's going to the one thing that he knows would trigger Jason. Yes. And, and that's so smart. But and the brilliance about that though is while you, we have this these moments that kind of are like the atypical moments you'd expect in a, a happy ending where basically the heroes win the day, right? And, and by all account they did. They stopped Scarecrow's plan initially. But then when you actually think about it and think about the episode and how like what you were mentioning Paul how calculating scarecrow truly is and his end game is to basically divide the team use their own strengths against them yeah it's, it's, and then it's, you begin to realize okay they won but all the things that they've done can honestly be used against them like you mentioned steve gar gar going and getting doing his own detective work by himself and actually thinking i can bring back jason you know for a fact Scarecrow can actually turn that against the team. That's a great way of dividing the team. Gar's not going to want to hurt Jason. And we all know at this point, Nightwing wants to kill Jason. Right. And, yeah. And, and what that, we got we to gotta hope that Gar isn't naive and foolish enough to try to do a solo run to convince Jason or... or I think it's convinced Nightwing. Well, I, 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 I would think, hope Gar goes to Nightwing, but... But seeing how Gar is kind of operating, if he goes solo, then that puts him in harm's way yes, big yeah. time. But what I what I appreciate about what we've seen out of Gar the last couple episodes is more and more he's exploring and playing with those powers and he's getting more and more control over them. He doesn't have to just shift completely 100%. He can turn his nose into a, a bloodhound yeah, dog. I want to hit that because <laughs> Gar's a fucking superstar this season. Mm. Um, he like is. He is... Yeah. He's really like he's he's taking like initiatives. He's bettering himself, like you said, you know, triggering the nose when he was sniffing out the stash. Yeah, um, triggering just like the paw the when paw he was fighting, was so dope. which is all in all like cool as shit. Because if if you're not gonna let him turn into something other than a tiger, and I think they will by the end of the season because yeah, they I had agree. him researching stuff. But um, you know, if they're not gonna do that, let him use it differently let him use it like this because we've seen like he's trained with nightwing and shit he is a competent fighter you throw those like animal abilities into fighting instead of just turning him into this big fucking green ass tiger like honestly uh 
this martial arts boy with literal tiger paws, I think is going to be a much more effective combatant than just straight up a tiger. Oh, yeah. The uh, more, more they, agile and all of that. The more but, they play with that aspect of this character, it, it, it it's giving him his own little mini arc of maturity and growth and, and just growing into his own shoes of like, hey, I've got this ability. Like, what could I do with it? Pretty much sky's the limit. And I am, of all the titans... I mean, Paul's on to something. I mean, out of all the Titans up to this point, Yara is the one that basically is truly maturing as a hero. As a person. Like like you said, <laughs> he's he's the heart of the team, but I feel like people also I like underestimate him, I guess. Yes, a lot of and and that's a lot of his motivation for like bettering himself. But I I worry about him going and like contacting the friend, doing all this work by himself. Like one, just bring fucking Superboy. Like what better backup (laughs) could you have? Just bring Superboy with you or tell somebody like what you're doing. I get like not telling Nightwing because Nightwing would probably just shit all over the plan because like everybody's anti Jason right now. I hope Gar's learning from the mistakes that Dick and others have not learned from. And when you don't have a Donna around any or sorry, a Don around anymore or hell, even Donna, both Mm -hmm. of them a lot of times and in a lot of different ways kind of kept pulling Jason back to reality. And right now in the absence of both of them, it's really Barbara that's having to be that anchor point. And we see that, right? right. Well, even, it's even Raven, even, she's even a Raven. fucking empath because like, you, she could keep him on a chain. You got to yeah. remember, I mean, since season one, Raven was the, the sole focus for the team to help her. Right. And then when you remove that, the team now seems lost. They don't have their own direction. And they needed a center. They needed a center, center someone who, just like what you said, it, Paul, is about like she's an empath. She brings the team together. That's the strength of Raven. And L- literally season, keeps them on the same page. It makes so much sense now to me why they took her off the board. Because it, it, it further instills the chaos the ca- and disarray. It, yeah. Without her, someone has to step up among the Titans. Mm. And so far, it's been Gar. I mean, if you yeah. look at it, He's the one that's truly doing a lot of things. He's learning to be a hero. And as much as I like Nightwing and and Starfire and even like Superboy has been really awesome this season. They're not growing as individuals. They just react. They're reactors. They are also just as characters like Dick is fucking Nightwing. Superboy is fucking Superboy. Starfire is like not as big of a name, but she's still like like a cool fucking character. She sets people on fire, like all that kind of stuff. Dude, that was so messed. And Beast Boy is in 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 my bias opinion the kind of like the the least super fucking razzle dazzle cool character on the team. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And I I just I love what they're using him for and what they're doing with him because mm-hmm. it's it's making me care like much more than I normally would. Uh, I agree. I agree. I normally wouldn't have cared about that character at all. It wasn't one that ever resonated with me as a as a reader of, of the of the books or a fan of, of of the material, but what they're doing here is making me care about the character is making me appreciate him as a character um going back to the oracle Mm -hmm. so it was interesting that we had a whole episode titled oracle but it really didn't focus on oracle and we've had that happen a couple of times this season where the they they name the episode after like the first appearance of a thing not the relevance of the thing right and so we finally get to that relevance with oracle and clearly, it's Bruce's big bad Jarvis machine. Um, 
I, I don't know about you guys, but when I heard the machine speak, even somewhat the look and feel. Now, look, a lot of computer sci-fi type things for decades have always been certain color palettes. It's either generally a blue or an orange. Yeah. Um, and there's a there's a reason for that from a psychological perspective. But regardless, because of that, and then you juxtapose it against Jarvis from the MCU and it just felt to me like really you couldn't have made it have like a female voice. I mean, it is Oracle. And for those of us that are readers of the material, Oracle being Barbara, um, you couldn't have found like a nice, sexy British voice. But or that, even make it Barbara's voice or make it Barbara's voice. Because that voice. would have been even more impactful is like, yeah, Oracle, because of the way that the story of Oracle and Barbara seems to be kind of like kind of layered in this episode is a very personal story for Barbara. It would have been really awesome to see it be a female voice. That's similar to Barbara. And in essence, you have like Oracle who is much like Barbara battling herself. It would have been an interesting, it would have been interesting, but I think, you know, stepping back from the initial jarring of where it felt like almost like an MCU copy, the way that they were playing it in this interpretation of Oracle, Stepping back, I was thinking like, well, it's a British male. Is that supposed to be Alfred's voice? Yes, that was. That's what I thought. So, you know, I I, I get what you're saying about like it being uh, the potential of it being a female and blah blah blah, uh, more original. Like, sure, but then also you just compare it to the built-in AI and Spider-Man suit. Like, you know, you nothing's original anymore. You can't win. It's anything, everything's so a remix of everything. But the 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 thing about it potentially being inspired by Alfred because well like we don't know where Oracle came from right Bruce like, I'm pretty it sure came from Bruce Bruce they said built that it so Bruce so is it. it housed at the GCP yes. just to ensure that Bruce doesn't like overutilize so it I hope we get more uh, uh, information I think on that in one of I think in the dialogue between uh, Barbara and Dick at that time. They made a comment. I think it was a line or something. I, it's like buzzing in my head right now that Barbara specifically kept that the Oracle machine close to her in G, GCPD so that it could be safe. So I'd be thinking that it but, was originally probably at Wayne uh, Wayne. Tess. I don't imagine safest? that thing is movable. It, it seems like an incredibly cumbersome thing to move. Um, we don't see the racks of servers that are clearly behind. I mean, it's the, it's the in eye. what is the fucking the the basement room that it's in is like Cerebro. It is. It, it it's does, very much like Cerebro. It? Yeah, it looks well, like Cerebro. And what's interesting is that it is like an eye, an all watching eye, like Sauron. It can see actually and, and know like anything. I, when I, I saw like, the eye, I I automatically thought Omec. I thought of the Omec symbol because the Omec symbol is actually the circle with the weird orange mm. uh half smile i i like everything that i like all the little kind of references they're putting into it rather than being like you know disappointed that it's not a female voice or not like straight up um barbara's voice or something i like i like that it's called oracle i like that it it the eye shape is um reminiscent of omac or even fucking brother eye brother eye um, that's which, the other one which too. is i mean that yeah that's like hand in hand with omac and like how that whole story played out um i like the 
British male voice potentially being, you know, I hope that that's Alfred, what it is. Um, because, you know, in various other stories, um, you know, Bruce digitizes Alfred and uses him after Alfred Alfred passes Dies. as a, you know, a voice in the ear. Mm. Um basically just having like an AI companion instead of a man at the machine. Mm-hmm. Well, but, also um, if you think about you know, so, it, so it's, it's all of those things kind of combined. And then just as you know, little references here and there as what the thing, thing is, especially if like we genuinely are done with it and it was like, here it is. Okay. Now it's gone. They just threw like every little reference they could at it and like, just be pleased. And now we're moving on. Right. And, and it's gone now. Right. So it, 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 the fact that crane was able to hack into the system through the knowledge that Jason clearly had given him, he gets access. He can see what's going on. The discussions like, it's like having a bug planted in in a room, right? So he well, has- he he didn't even have to hack into. It. That's what the the Lady Vic picture was from. Mm, he used yeah, yeah, Oracle's yeah. retinal right. um, access. He just accessed it remotely. So so he yeah so he's remote desktoping into Oracle and can spy on them through their through their webcam essentially, <laughs> uh, like Mark Zuckerberg. They should have put a fucking piece of tape over it. Um, and, and and he knows what their plan is. He's listening to them talk about it. And instead of well, he he's making <clears throat> excuse me, he's making their plan. Yeah, he's yeah. providing them the information to make it's their to plan, plan around. To make their plan to do exactly what he wants them to do, which is destroy the one thing that could always keep them one step ahead of him. And Barbara does it in in a moment of thinking that she's doing the right thing because she's apprehensive about even turning the damn thing on. She destroys it. And Dick's none too happy about it, and rightfully so. You you were bamboozled, Barbara. You were bamboozled. <laughs> she might have been bamboozled, but damn, that thing is so dangerous. It, incredibly dangerous. If I it mean, were it's to an fall, ethics violation yeah, like a motherfucker. If it were to fall in Scarecrow's plan, uh, hands, then, you know, I'm sure Dick would have basically said, yeah, we probably should have destroyed it, because if it falls into... Crane's hands, forget it. Game over. Yeah, he's the one per he or Riddler. If it, you know, there's certain Any characters. Batman villain. It, uh, there's several that if it would fall into their hands, it would not be a good thing. But it was that dialogue between Dick and Barbara um, when when he basically scolds her and mansplains why she made a mistake <laughs> yes. and and that she was she made an, a choice, a decision in a heat of an emotional state which we all do in all aspects of our life. And then she was able to flip the script on him and, you know, well, maybe when you're not emotional and it it was just like a nice little pimp slap. They're they're so fucking hot and cold. Yeah. And like, like last episode, it was really like, we're not going to work together anymore. And then just one nice little problem. And like the team's back together. <laughs> He's back together. Well, and, and so I, I, you know, I structure the notes, but we can, we're, we're going to mix them up here because that's a good segue. You know, again, Dick's still learning how to be a leader. Right. And he, he continues to make these, these choices that he believes is the right choice potentially, but he's essentially doing some of the bad decision-making that Bruce is noted, noted, noted for. for. And and in essence, he's not leading the team. He's not bringing the team together. He's going off on these solo missions. Like I said earlier, he's, he's setting these bad examples. And every time he does that, um, he doesn't have anybody to kind of pull him back in. And Barbara is kind of doing that right now. She's kind of trying to guide him back. Um, 
every time that this this pops up um but you know Barbara is or Dick keeps pushing Barbara away and and she's calling him on it but at the same time they are starting to rekindle an old relationship right there there's there's still some embers there in the fireplace and we see some of that. They're 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 going to be knocking boots more and more. I think. I think Dick's always got a log on the fire. Yes, <laughs> he's got a log somewhere. <laughs> log in the fire. Log in the fire. Um, so I, I appreciate. There's all these little these little nuggets, these little subtexts, and they they keep letting them out and then reeling them back in and letting them out again. It's like it, it's 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 damn clever writing, and and they're doing a hell of a job with it. It really it makes you think. Did Batman and Jim Gordon ever kiss? <laughs> I never once thought that. <laughs> just secretly in the shadows while while Bruce sneaks up on and just kisses him on the cheek. Great job catching the bad guy tonight. <laughs> I thought you were leaving. <laughs> <laughs> and Bruce just gives him a nice gentle peck on I the back of his neck. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, there's Jesus. your there's your picture for you so so the other big subtext or, or or underlying arc i mean i felt like this episode had a really good three act arc the way they they set things up and then kind of everybody had to deal with their own situation and then the end was like the resolution with the big fight but one of the big subplots or, or sub points of the of the episode was the fire sisters Blackfire and starfire going off and doing like the Starsky and Hutch kind of thing, you know, yeah. trying to, they have their own little mission. They're going to attack the Jason problem from another angle. They're going to go to one of the families and try to get some leverage, try to see if they can't, you know, find something out. And that opens the door for us to see more about the backstory between them and how they, they fell apart as sisters and why Blackfire ultimately uh, killed their parents and why Starfire so pissed off about it. Now, that's why we get the title 51%. It's from an exchange of dialogue where Blackfire killed her parents um, because essentially if your choice is 51% good and 49% bad, you still got to take it. It's It's still the right choice. It's, it's still, still the, the right, right choice. choice. Even if it's even if it's still a bad choice, as long as it's 51% good. And I, I, I had to step back and ponder that. I paused and thought, how many decisions in life, in everyday life, in our personal lives, in our corporate lives, in our job lives, wherever you may work, in law enforcement, or in politics, how many decisions play out on a minute-by-minute, hour-by-hour basis every day where it comes down to 51% versus 49%. 49%. Yeah. And I'm sure it's a shitload more than we would like to admit. Yeah. I, oh, like, absolutely. honestly, I think with, with a lot of, um, like jobs in companies, for example, I think almost any time you actually pull the trigger and fire somebody, it's like that scenario where it's, it's never good to like lose somebody from the team or the I've workforce or whatever. I agree. As far I, as like bodies on the floor and, I've and seen, coverage. I agree, but I've seen plenty of instances where it's 100%. <laughs> like they should have probably not came in the door. In but the that's why, place. that's why right, was, like they never should have been hired. Right. And, and that is a whole different type yeah. of problem. But like once, once you're in there and you're, you know, as yeah, having, having done like management kind of stuff, it's like, 
uh, this person is terrible or they never come in, you know, on time or they call in too much or whatever. But like they are still a a person on the team doing a thing. If we don't have them, then the time until somebody new comes along to fill that space, it's that much more work for everybody else who's yeah. already actively yep. complaining about not getting enough days off or time off right. right now. So it's it's that like, do I get rid of them because they're garbage, but it's there's a real to, impact to everyone will, else. Yeah, there's an yeah. impact either way. Yeah. And that's why it was really, I thought, intelligent the way they wrote that scene because they connected it to their parents because Blackfire, I think it was Blackfire that made the, made the comment that that was a thing that she learned from her father, their father. Yeah, that was her father taught her the 51%. And the father rule. was the King. When he you think it, when you think about it, people in those positions like a King or anything like that have to make decisions that are 51% yeah, good. That, that's not necessarily popular. That, that not statement, not that, that mindset goes hand in hand with like that position. Yeah. yeah a, just, a, a position of authority or leadership or a, a position where people are looking up to you to provide leadership or guidance or direction. Mm-hmm. And in his case, he's the king. And with the whole planet of Tamarin pissed off because Starfire can you, can left. Can time out for a second? Like, yeah. Not just like, you know, the king or queen of this country like of the fucking planet the planet is unified under one ruler sounds fucking terrible yeah i mean the the the, (laughs) but imagine that the stress and the you know like like this particular this lesson this mindset this like rule that you live by um fucking wild like that that must be it's wild but it makes the that that mindset of Hey, at least 51, 51% of my popul- uh, population is going to be happy with what my decision is. That makes much more sense. Yeah. They're, they're then, pissed off that my daughter, my, my good daughter, the, the heir to the throne, the one that everybody likes dipped out and she's off. So they don't like you. You're kind of a bitch. <laughs> and so it's an easy decision. And in defense of herself. Of Blackfire. Blackfire takes care of her parents. Yeah. And when, when you think about it, it, it's at first when they introduce Blackfire, we don't know the whole story. No, but we just now think we she's finally, just chaos. She's just chaos. Yeah. But when it's brought up in this, in this, you know, scenario, it makes Blackfire more sympathetic because, yes. okay. If the case is 51%, my choice is 51% have to be better than 49%. Well, you guys are going to kill me. I would kind of think that that's actually much more better in my favor, lying in that 51% and doing what I did. The 51% for me is to unfortunately kill you, You, my parents, parents. whereas the 49% is me dying right now. Right. I don't like that. So I'm going to go with the 51. In fairness, she probably could have just bounced herself and went to another planet and and just said peace and chicken grease. Not if they hunt her down. Her being a bitch as you, you know, as as you. She was bitchy. As you paraphrasing her parents, because, yeah, the planet didn't like her. There's there's a reason that the 51% was let's just kill Blackfire. Um, a, a lot of that was like placed on her though, because she just wasn't starfire. Like I, you said sympathetic, like I feel for her hard in this. Like I am fairly convinced mm-hmm. that at least this season, she's not even going to be a fucking villain. She's just like on the team now. 
I would agree. I would I think, agree. I think that's what we're going to see. And I think the other thing we're clearly going to see is her and Connor going to fuck. Yeah. That's unless happen. He, got, unless, he got some game with her. Unless we did. got a twist coming with Black. It, it could. That's but I, I feel like her little like flirty relationship with Connor is another like it's it's another weight on the scale of like she's actually like she's just, good. She's she's here. She's here. She could become more of a pre- present member on the team. Maybe, maybe when powers come back, she'll have like a plan and like deception and like betray somebody. But like, I don't think that's this season. I, I would agree. Or if it is, it's way later in the season. I mean, we only got six episodes. Yeah, we're like halfway that, through right now. Yeah, over yeah. Half, halfway. Um, they definitely are teasing that the two of them are going to knock boots. And, and I like that because Connor, again, he's he's he was born yesterday and the guy probably needs to get his Peter wet. So he, he's, he's sitting there eating an apple while everyone else is toasting with a beer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. Well, I mean, what, like he's going to get drunk. I right. Mean, yeah. You know, why, why waste the liquor for that? Everybody else could drink. It's just like, so, he, he could have a soda. I think Gar had like a grape soda. Yeah. He could be doing that. He's fucking, he's, he's boy scouting it up with a I'm, goddamn apple. I'm it's, it's, an apple. It, it is a, such a Superman thing. It is an, an apple a day. keeps the doctor away. And and what's what's great too, you know, going back to your point earlier, uh, with them showing up to the mob boss and making the deal with the devil essentially <laughs> to go bring back my son. I just, you know, that's a very parental thing to do, right? To like do. I care about my 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 children. I only want the best from them. It doesn't matter that I'm a mob boss that does bad things. I still care for my children, and I don't want something to happen to them. And I'm afraid something will happen to them. If you bring back my son, then we'll make a deal, and I'll give you some intel. And so they convince him and and it was awesome seeing him. He's clearly, he was clearly just a good dude who realized his mom was just a bad person and I don't need that toxicity and that shit in my life. I'm going to go live my own life, right? And and that's, that's a very mature thing for anybody to do regardless of the circumstances. Yeah. And, and he tried to do that. And then they bring him home thinking that they're doing right by both of them and the bitch shoots him in the head. Dude, that moment. Like, caught that, off guard. Caught off guard. The, because I the holy fooled. shit of that fooled. moment was only topped by the holy shit of the following moment. Yes. Of Starfire. Of, Starfire. of the 51%. Yes. Oh, my God. Like, the, the setup, the setup of those, that sequence of those three events and how that played out was so brilliantly written it really yes. was and 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 for her to say i you know i only make deals by shaking on it okay fine and she fucking burns her to death like yes. vaporizes her like that incredible and, oh, but yeah. but what's interesting to me about that is you know starfire again or Blackfire, we don't know uh, if when her powers come back if she's going to have these manipulative ways or deceptive ways like you said paul We've seen all of this kind of influence that she's having on Starfire. Even though they opened up, they had the sister bonding moment, and they, and she shared the why I killed our parents. And you could see Starfire also uh, sympathizing or empathizing, and and because she now has a broader picture mm-hmm. of something that she didn't understand before, didn't have the the why behind the how, yeah. right? And and now she has that, and and but we see these little seeds of of Blackfire making comments or flippant statements that is kind of influencing starfire and you start to you know starfire is dangerous in her own right and at any given moment she could be good or bad and so you start seeing these little pushes down these pathways 
And this was one of them where she's a God and she has these powers, essentially a God, right? But if pushed or just one bad day, look what happens. Well, especially, (laughs) and the beautiful part about it was afterwards, I am positive majority of the audience was like going, yeah, Starfire did the right thing because that woman deserved it. In that moment, absolutely. absolutely. She she turned on her son after lying to them because he was an informant, and he was an informant to the FBI because his mother's a bad yeah. guy. Yeah, I mean, she was already a confirmed naughty boy. Um, <laughs> like, like, we know that about her. Mm-hmm. And then she fucking murders her son that she just tricked Starfire into bringing back to her. That's like, that's a double naughty. Um so Starfire is like, well, I guess I'll take one naughty point to take this double naughty point off the fucking table. <laughs> off the table. Yeah. And, you know, 51%. 51% um, tit for tat. But as as you were saying about kind of the influence of Blackfire, um, I think that, I mean, yeah, that absolutely is something. And is that just, you know, two sisters kind of going into their ways because they're hanging out? Um and you know have haven't for a while especially in the situation where everybody's kind of doing their own thing so it's not like it's the two of them and superboy on this little mission the two of mm-hmm. them and gar on this little mission where somebody else can be like the angel on the shoulder we're there's like hey nobody, maybe don't yeah there's nobody balancing that. the two of them out and they're playing off each other mm-hmm. which is a, da- a dangerous dance because of the powers that they both have although blackfire you know her only power seemed to be drinking with scotch but at least in this episode, but and staying quiet and staying quiet. Uh, that's what the boss said. So, you know, it, the one thing I did appreciate was, and, and we talked about this in the last episode and previous episodes is Starfire's costume. Again, uh, I think we've seen at least a variation of this version in a previous episode, mm-hmm. but we saw it in full front and center of that's basically granted. You're not seeing f- her flesh, that costume that we saw in this episode is one of the most recognizable costumes she's ever had throughout comics. Like that's Starfire. And I thought it was beautifully done. And then when they gave, uh, or when Blackfire put on her crazy gauntlets and it did like this crazy, uh, nanotech kind of Iron Man suit slash Black Panther kind of crazy colors. It makes you wonder because of this Tamarin technology that gave her that crazy Blackfire suit, is that how Starfire gets her clothes in every episode? Does she is, is she just using Tamaranian technology to give her like the best you know Chanel outfits? I think <laughs> it. You look at the wrists, and if she's got if she's got the like the gauntlets and sleeves, that's probably the suit. And if she's sleeveless, it's just her personal collection. I like that. The good one, Paul. And on that note, we're going to take a break and come back. Keep Rayman Digital on the air by pledging to our Patreon page. Uh, your continued support allows us to continue to make great content and offer even better features in the future. Help us keep the lights on in the studio by pledging $1 to $10 a month. Go to patreon.com slash Digital to pledge. Open sesame. It's been a while since I have watched the animated series. And now that it's available on the CBS All Access app with all the rest of the Star Trek series, I have been going back and watching it. And I popped on the first episode. 
to prepare for this discussion. And I was blown away. Yeah, same here. I'm like, this is so good. I was really worried I was going to get, like, nostalgia glasses. Yes, and we... Dave, I told you that when we were preparing for this. I'm like, I'm afraid to watch this. Yeah. Because when I watched it a long time ago, I loved it. And we all know how that panned out when it comes to Willow. <laughs> I always, that's always my go-to. I still I still because watch Willow. As a kid, I loved Willow. And then they re-released it. I'm like, yes, fucking Willow. This is going to be the best night of my life. <laughs> then you sat down and I wanted to die. <laughs> I wanted to die. You are the greatest swordsman in the world. Star Trek from the Holodeck, exclusively on Rain Man Digital. Head over to RainmanDigitalMedia.com or search for it wherever you listen to podcasts. And simulation. All right, we are back, everybody. And some of the other things I wanted to talk about, um, which we kind of segued there, and and so I might as well just bring it up. When Paul and I left the, the studio last week... Okay, I want to start this. Okay. Um, there kind of the the motivation for what beast boy did his his whole like going out and blah 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 and what we already mm-hmm. already covered was um you know at pretty early on in the episode dick says jason's gone he calls him red hood as as he was introduced the first time that they mm-hmm. met this season um he's you know jason is gone and now right into what i believe you were yes. heading into yeah J- jason's gone it's Red Hood now, and we're going to take him down. Now, Jason seems to be the only person that has any hope left for Jason. Gar. Or, sorry, sorry. Gar has any hope left for Jason. And um, and I would argue that we've also seen that same sympathy and empathy from Starfire. She's also been one that's been apprehensive multiple times about hunting down Jason. She had a a, a close relationship with Jason. Um, And then obviously Gar felt like they had the buddy, 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 you know, kind of half stepbrother or whatever kind of relationship. Yeah, I mean, when when he was detective mode running around, he would like he would think out loud and then have Jason's response right from past, from past interactions or whatever the voice in his head was Mm -hmm. Jason responding to him. And so when Paul and I left the studio last week, we were, we were chit chatting and it it occurred to me that there is a potential or an opportunity if they play this season well, and it gets good reviews and the fan reaction is positive. Are we, are we going to jump right into the spinoff and We're not, not jumping. the redemption? <laughs> We're jumping. I'm skipping the redemption. Okay. I'm skipping the redemption. Cool, just so I know where the conversation's yeah, going. I'm skipping the redemption. I'm going, okay. to, I'm going to assume that we're not getting a redemption. Oh, yeah, because we, we don't need redemption for, this, for the thing we to happen. We don't need so. it. That doesn't mean that, that... Keep talking, and I'll stop interrupting for 45 okay. seconds. Now, skipping the redemption, a redemption could happen later, but I, I had mentioned to Paul that the seeds keep getting planted throughout these episodes... And this one more than any previous one for a potential spinoff of Red Hood and the Outlaws. We have two members present and accounted for. Red Hood and Starfire. Starfire has that that relationship with Jason, but we see these seeds in this episode of how she can kind of do her own thing and say, I, fuck the rules, fuck the law. And just- I wasn't even thinking Starfire. I was, I was thinking, um, when we get Donna Troy back, but when you think about getting these puzzle pieces back, 
we have to take puzzle pieces away or our ensemble is too big. And so if Raven and Donna come back or even Dawn comes back from Paris, Mm -hmm. we've got to take some chess pieces away from the board. And who better to take off the board than Jason and Starfire? And then all we need is our third person. And we still have six episodes where Mr. Harper, Mr. Roy Harper could be introduced in some way. I mean, he could be introduced early on in, in Red Hood spin-off. and the Outlaws if, you know, if we've already got. Yes. Um, but that that team kind of traditionally is like a dark reflection of the Trinity, mm-hmm. um, like vaguely no Superman. But it's, you know, it's the an arrow person and then like a Batman and usually an Amazonian. And that's why I was thinking Donna Troy, especially with her and Jason both potentially having like come back from the dead recently and, and they could yeah. like bond they could over bond what that did. emotionally or mentally neither like i jason has not unpacked that at all that's a whole oh, no. fucking thing yeah. like yeah somewhere in there oh well, yeah the, the thing i would ask both of you is i i actually like your guys's idea because this is something that i think the dc universe on the tv side needs they need to actually start Branching. You know, Let's branching one, out. one more point to sell it to you before you go off on this is that also allows us to take the Titans out of Gotham and continue being Titans wherever they're going to tighten around. Yeah, you button and up. And we maintain a team in Gotham oh, yes. because this season is too good to leave this city alone. I agree to wholeheartedly. And you could take the Titans, put them back in San Francisco, bring a couple of the missing Titans back. You could leave Blackfire on the team or deal with her in some other way so long as you at least take two of those characters from this core team that are present in the recent runs and just figure out a way at some point to introduce a Roy Harper. And I'm not talking, starting him off as speedy. I want to go straight to arsenal. Yeah, We're we're already arsenal. Whatever has happened has happened. We are arsenal and we have three vigilante justice like people that toe a fine line between following the law and just dealing with shit. Meanwhile, you have Gar in the middle of it all. But but he can stay with the Titans. The the one thing I would he's still uh, the one thing I would ask Doom Patrol you know, Manor. I like it as a comic book fan. I I like I love the idea. If you're gonna shit on our idea, thing. you shut up, David. No, yeah. no, 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 I'm not gonna <laughs> shit on it. I'm just going to ask you guys point blank. Outside of being a comic book, now let's take a look at the cast. Darren Walters has done a fantastic job. Uh, are we all in agreement? Agreed. I mean, him as Jason Todd, he's done a fantastic job as a young actor. I think he has done like a tremendous service for the character as a whole, as a whole. Like I, cause, cause like Red Hood fans or Jason Todd fans are going to be Jason Todd fans. And they're always like, you know, best Robin. Yeah. And like, you either love him or like, you kind of don't give a shit about Jason. And I feel like it's kind of like Damien where like people either love him or they can't fucking stand him. I think yeah. this has done a lot for the character to just be like Jason Todd is fucking great. Yeah, and and the I would I would add to that, Paul, um, NPH's voiceover work in the red under the Red Hood animated uh, ninety minute cartoon. I don't even like calling it a cartoon. It is a cartoon animated feature. Animated, animated feature. feature. There you go. Um, NPH brought a lot. Neil Patrick Harris, you know, uh, Neil Poon Handler, if you will. That guy brought something to the character that didn't exist, and now this current is taking it infinitely higher. So I would agree wholeheartedly. If if Kieran Walters can carry on that that momentum as an actor, then yes, I do think that basically 
a red hood show would be really great. It's just setting it up and making sure that they do the same, what they did for Brenton thaws, because in the very beginning, no one had faith in Brenton thaws as Dick Grayson. I remember that because everyone shit on him really in the very beginning in season one. I think the and big they, issue was just that first trailer, like opening with the line, fuck Batman. And I that's would like, agree. Yeah. that's what turned so many people off to the show in general. Like, and it was, it was a, yeah, it was an uphill climb for him from season one to season two, but he's been doing think, a fantastic job. I, I think job. he was good the whole time. It was yeah. an uphill climb for the show. They had a bad trailer that set a tone that wasn't the tone that fans were expecting or ready for and I or even critics for that matter. And also like wasn't the true tone of the show. It wasn't, but it 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 threw something out there that made people go, wait, well, what? Which from a shock value, from an attention getting perspective, it wasn't a bad move, but you had to want to invest the time to find out why fuck back. But like shock value can go I mean, it can go different ways, right? Like, this, oh, that's yeah. that's interesting. What is what is that? That's I'll look the into way that. I looked at it, and the shock value that it provided was just like a unanimous cringe from everybody who saw it, mm. and that's not going to make you follow up with the that, show. That was not my feeling when I first saw the trailer. Uh, I was like, Nightwing, Titans, yeah, give it, yeah, to me. give it, give it to me, give but it to like, me. Remember, a long time ago, there was so much crap on this cast specifically. And Titans, the very beginning, no one wanted to get behind that. I, I yeah, I, I do. Yeah, I do remember all the set photos hate. of Nightwalker, um, <laughs> Starfire, and I would everyone's hate, hating all over uh, it. The work that Kieran Walters has done for this character, I'd hate for him to go through the same steps that that the other actors had to go through because it would be an uphill climb for that I show. I think well, he like, we, earned his wings with yeah. With I mean, his this this like like I said this. His performance, this him being this character in this show, is making the character like in in comics, in other media, more appealing to me and, and more I'm interesting sure other people. Yeah, like I, I think we're past that. I think I think the reason that we were talking and so excited about you know just shooting the shit about a potential spinoff was, I think I, I think he's good. I think he could carry it. I think he, the the one scene that. Where he was, he was Red Hood. He was in the suit and he was interacting with the character that Beast Boy has just recently followed up Molly. with. Yeah. Um, and he was just like, hey, you know, this, 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 be careful, blah, blah, blah. Like him having good intentions, but still kind of being a piece of shit because he was working with Scarecrow. I want to see more of that. That scene right there that you just described at the end of that episode, um, two episodes ago, right? Um captures the essence of both dualities of that character his identity because he's still going to go exact the justice that he sees in his mind as being the correct justice yeah but you still see that he has a heart and that he cares about something someone. and someone yeah and so i think if you if you have read the material and are familiar with jason todd throughout the decades and and you saw him interpreting jason on screen i would hope that you you felt the same way we did i thought that he did a fantastic job as jason todd i feel that as he's put on the red hood he's only further embodied and and become that character and brought so much life to it that i wouldn't have suspected was possible but i feel like as soon as he puts that mask on 
it's he becomes a different persona altogether as an actor. He he really conveys and portrays what in my mind's eye Red Hood is should and should be. So, so I, I'm not concerned about that, David. I'm concerned about someone at Warner Brothers listening to this episode of the R podcast <laughs> if they haven't already got plans in motion and fucking listen to us because it will it will be something that fans would want. Well, not just a, then not. Uh, I, I'm going to add to your guys's point why this works is because you have the opportunity to actually do a story where you have a team led by Jason Todd going against a team led by Dick. by uh, Dick Grayson, and you have a, a basically a Titan Civil War, which Oof. could be really fun oh. because Jason represents this one form of justice. <sighs> so everyone agrees. Give us at least team. one season of Red Hood and the Outlaws, and then we can have a crossover after that. Where yes. then you have a Agreed. Titans battle. And it doesn't even have to, it doesn't even, in my opinion, it doesn't even have to be a multi-season plan for a spinoff. You could plan a story around one season, and if it hits well, then figure out season two. Mm-hmm. But plan it as a one-shot season. It doesn't even have to be a full 13 episodes. So there's my addition to your guys' idea. Okay. Is because, like, thinking about it more, just because of how strong Kieran Walters can do and Bretton Thaws has done, you have two really great actors that could basically play off of each other. Mm-hmm. And do a fantastic story with those two characters going head to head with each other. And I think as this season progresses, we're we're hopefully going to see more maturity out of Dick as he starts to fill his Nightwing boots more and becomes that leader. And and you're going to see two actors that have proven that they can play a leading role. Well, they you'd love to see Dick grow. The, <laughs> yes, you'd love to see Dick grow. But like the God damn it. the. Yeah. <laughs> The potential, too, of, like, what type of story you could do. I mean, then you throw in Tim Drake. The story of Tim Drake. And, like, potentially, this is just bouncing around in my head thanks to you two, is, like, Nightwing or Nightwing or Dick basically saying, you know what? Just to prove Jason wrong, he takes on Tim Drake to create the better Robin. And it works. And that's what pisses off Jason. And And that would work. And then that sends Jason you know, further away from, from Dick and separating yeah. the, the two brothers because the one brother says, you know, I can find a better brother than you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it, it would, it would work. It's just, it, dude, you know, when in the remaining six episodes, do we get to see Tim? Uh, it, it doesn't even have to be something that it could be dropped right towards the end. The last one or two episodes, you could bring in the whole Tim Drake, uh, mentorship whether it's dick that does it ultimately or if yeah. if it's bruce that comes back we don't know i think i think if you were to do like the the nightwing versus red hood angle batman doesn't come back till like you know the culmination of the fight yeah because I'm, batman I'm, I'm not convinced we get batman back yeah i i feel i would agree with you paul but i feel like when it becomes the penultimate um showdown between the whether whether he's involved in it, which I don't think he will be, that's what's going to – I think that's when we will see Bruce return in some capacity. I don't think we're ever going to see him in the cowl um, anytime soon, if ever. Because the scary thing about that, then it becomes a story of Batman. And it's not about Batman. It, it, where the whole show, even like Red Hood and the Outlaws, should never be about Batman. Mm-hmm. Because once you insert – well, 
Bruce has to show up and fix it because these are his two sons. I, like, then you take away, you pull you the rug out everything. from under them as as a their own thing. I think like the best we get is like an email or a letter or something like, like, like genuinely. And, and, and you get the, you get the guy back so that like his voiceover can be reading it. Right. But mm. like, he doesn't need to be on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sent to like Dick commending him on how he handled the situation mm-hmm. at the end of the season. Yep. So let's take a quick, quick break and then we'll come back and give our final thoughts and scores. Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff that will spice up your bedroom is even better. Just go to adamandeve.com and select almost any one item for 50% off, and then we'll load on the free stuff. Just enter this very exclusive code, RAINMAN, at checkout, and you'll get 10 tantalizing free gifts, including a sexy item for him, a special toy for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy. And six extra special bonus items that are sure to rev your engine, pique your curiosity, Mm. and even blow you away. Plus, free shipping. Always sent in discreet packaging. Go to adamandeve.com now. Get 50% off plus the 10 free gifts when you enter the exclusive offer code RAINMAN. Again, that's RAINMAN. Because without it, no free stuff. That's RAINMAN at adamandeve.com. We're back. I'm going to give my score and, and just my final thoughts real quick. So one thing that we didn't touch upon, but I had it in the notes, this, the cinematography and, and just the overall uh, the way that, that these episodes have been shot, and this one in particular really stuck out. Every time we're in the mansion in particular, the lighting and the way that they frame <laughs> yes. the shots is quite honestly some of the most beautifully lit uh photography and i put it in the notes the 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 director of photography on this i don't know who he is or she but fucking give him a raise because it's so beautifully and evenly lit and and just the the exchange in the one scene with with dick and barbara in in the room before you know they uh they do the thing um (laughs) like go back and watch it and don't even pay attention to them just look at the background. Look at the lighting. Just the walls, the hallway, the, the wall, the... the hallway. It's it's fucking gorgeous. Like I don't, I don't even know how they do it. Like it, it's just so perfectly lit. Um, so that that scene in particular stuck out. All the mansion scenes, but also when they go to the final battle at Mister Freeze's snowy cones. <laughs> that was awesome. It was a nice little Easter egg. I was that kind was of hoping. Cool. You know, I like how they wove in the fact that that Mister Freeze. You know, we already heard of of him in previous episodes, mm-hmm. and that's how uh, Jim died, right? Jim Gordon. But the fact that they brought in snowy cones and Mister Freeze's hideout is the place where they they get they're running and stealing all this power to power their machine to mass produce their drugs or whatever. Um, it's just like a nice little nod. I was really hoping to see a Mister Freeze, maybe someday. Um, I like we don't even know if he's like alive, alive or yeah. what. Maybe, I, maybe not. I you know, stupid nitpick, but I hated that they called him Victor and then like followed up with Freeze cuz there's like there's a couple Victors in um in Gotham, right? Yeah. And like like personally the first Victor, you say Victor, the first thing I think of is Zaz. Um 
probably because my cat's name is Zaz, but that's not important. <laughs> like nobody in Gotham is going to talk about Victor Freeze and not just refer to him as Freeze. Like, I would agree. <laughs> now, the million dollar question, now that you've brought it up, is do you take like a beard trimmer and and like etch in tick marks on your cat's fur? He um, <laughs> is named Zaz because as as a kitten, he was a little wild boy. They, okay. they found him. My roommates found him and uh, like they brought him in, him and his sister in and, you know, raised them. And now he's older. Um, but when they were like, hey, would you like to come into our house and live there forever? He fucked it. He turned both of them into Zaz. Oh, he, he sliced they, and diced. They were covered in several of several. Both of them still have several scars on their arms. Damn, you got to trim those claws. He was, he was he was a small little baby man. Oh, that's awesome. No, that's a good story. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a good story. So, you know, anyways, there was a lot of good stuff going on that we didn't get to cover. There's just too much in this episode, but I, I really wanted to highlight the the lighting and, and then also that fight because when we see. Anytime we see Dick fighting with his Eskrima sticks and just electrocuting the shit out of people and, and flipping around and, and it's it's awesome. It's a sight to behold. And and it just I it gets me so excited. Um I, overall I really enjoyed the hell out of this episode. I was worried after the last couple where we were going, a little worried, just because there's so much to unpack and so much going on. But I, I got to tell you guys, like, I'm going to give this one a solid 92. Like, it really won me over um, by the end of it, and I, I really enjoyed it. David, I, uh, David Paul? Oh, okay. Whichever. Whoever wants to go. All right. I, um, I did not dislike, like, particularly anything about this episode while watching it, but it was, I don't know, it felt a little bit slow, maybe, and I think I'm just used to, like, we've we've had a pattern of, like, high intensity episode and then like story driven episode and then like high intensity episode. And I think the last episode was like one of those story ones. So I was kind of expecting a so high intensity a one, a little bit of a low, um, but, 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 but it's on I mean, yeah. And, yes. and, and this discussion talking about all the shit that happened this episode, um, really kind of turned me around on it too. Um, so I think I'm going to go with an 89. Okay. Um, and just, find a little thing that didn't get brought up and it doesn't matter. Um, With as familiar as Blackfire is with all these earth phrases and things that we talked about, like last episode, the fact that she doesn't know what the fuck ketchup is, is hysterical to me. (laughs) Well, I mean, she's only had access to so much information in that underground bunker and clearly ketchup was not one of the things that she was. a, A thesaurus of phrases must have been something that she had down there. And yeah. no condiments. No condiments. David? Um, I, I agree 100% with both of your guys' assessment of the episode. The w- weird thing about this episode, it took me probably a couple times to really think about the episode because at first I was going to give it a semi-low score, like around the 80s. But then as I started thinking about it and thinking of how everything is now coming together. It's layered. It's layered. And like the past episodes, one of the things that we were kind of worried about is they're introducing so many things how are they tying things together and then in this episode we finally get to see them starting to tie everything 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 up you know the stuff with blackfire and starfire now coming into play with the story of nightwing and the bat family Mm -hmm. okay great and 
it started going higher and higher in my score. So at the end, I actually just basically said, you know what? I'm not going to get too hyped because that's how I started feeling about this episode is like, oh man, they're really gearing up right now, but I'm going to tailor it. And I actually got the same score as Paul, which is an 89. Okay. Um, the things that put it over for me was exactly what you brought up. Finally, it was the cinematography and specifically the lighting. This show, you know, I hate, I hate the fact that basically every time me and you, Steve cover like a DC universe show, I have to say it. The production value of these shows is Trump anything I've ever seen in CW and oh. like the, the, the attention to detail and the attention to the filmmaking side is just amazing. And I think that's the difference with the CW making a, t- a true television episodic series where they're trying to be something that they're not necessarily, and and not that that's a bad thing. It is, yeah. it is what they're, they're doing. They're following their own formulas Correct. to create this themed content. And and here it's these people feel like they're filmmakers they're trying filmmakers. to make an episodic TV show. Yeah, and they're they're doing the Lord's work. They're they doing really the Lord's are. work, and like I really feel that. People need to give this show a chance. They they can't just basically say, oh, it's tied to the CW, yep. so I'm not going to watch it. No. The the production value in here just means they have to watch it. Yep, it's fantastic. So that's going to do it for today's DC on RMD Titans edition. Remember, you can always catch any of our past episodes on DC on RMD.com. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, DC on RMD, or follow us on Twitch and watch us live. We'll see you next week. Who are you, bitches? Mother of God! Would you look at the time when you came here? You had an hour. 